Hi, and welcome back to These Are Bad Movies. I'm Amanda Ferriante. And I'm Amy Bell. And this week, we're going back to the theater. Yeah, we're kind of excited about this whole, you know, being out in public thing and seeing new releases that you don't have to pay premium prices for on (coughs) certain (coughs) streaming channels. I mean, by the time you add up concessions, it's premium. Well, yeah, but at least you get the experience and some popcorn. I agree with this. Yeah, I mean, I love my movie theater popcorn. I really do. I just like being in movie theaters. It's nice. So we are going to see The Conjuring. Colin... The Devil Made Me Do It? Yes, I think that's it. Yes. Which will be, I think, our first horror. Yes, I do think it will be our first horror. And it will be a supernatural horror. And honestly, I am only assuming it's a bad movie because horror tends to be. Also, a sequel. What I think of when I think of horror movies is white people doing stupid things that get really roasted by non-white comedians. Yeah, but then sometimes they do it with style. Yeah. So I'm hoping to see some of that, oh, what should we do? Go into this dark basement alone in my five-inch heels? I'm hoping for some of that. Well, I've only seen the trailer. I feel like it's the main character is a straight white guy. So I don't know. I I really know nothing about it. It's going to be a nice experience. Have you seen any Conjuring movies? No. I haven't either. Really? This is a true thing. Yeah, I I, um, like horror, but don't see much of it. I've come into it in my later years. Okay, I was more into it as a child. No, I didn't do it as Uh, a kid. In second grade, I told my class... That what I wanted to be when I grew up was a, an extra in a horror movie so that I could, like, cover myself in blood. Amy! That's and scream. Li- that's literally why so many actors get into it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hannibal moment. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> we've had a reprieve from this lately, but go on. Apparently, Hugh Dancy. Okay. Who plays Will Graham uh-huh. in the TV show Hannibal. Uh-huh. Was thrilled to be a part of it because he got to be covered in blood and have fun. Yeah. It it, um, it was kind of how my grandmother's a really big horror fan. And it was how she, like, socialized me to be okay watching this was to talk about how they did production of these kind of gory oh, scenes so when I was really young. It is so impressive. And artistic. Yeah, it is. And, and that's how she kind of made it clear that it was fake. Mm-hmm. And so I watched a lot of horror movies as a kid, like Friday the 13th and stuff like that. I saw that when I was 19, 20. Oh, yeah. the first time. Yeah. I don't know what the timeline was exactly, but by second grade, I was familiar enough with horror makeup practices to think, that's what I want to do when I grow up. That's so cool. You know, if we get enough syrup, we can make this happen. Yes, but I don't actually like being sticky. That's one of the things that you kind of 
realize about yourself as you grow up that maybe your childhood dreams aren't actually as much a part of you as you thought they were at the time. I don't like being sticky. There's different, um, different. My brain's going to think sticky. Even if there's no stick. And honestly, if it's not stick, then it'll feel more like being covered in lube or something. Well, that- which is also not a sensation that I want to have. Here's the thing, though. In, in these types of situations, you have to commit yourself entirely to the experience. So, for example, I don't like sitting on damp chairs because then only part of me is damp. If I'm going swimming, I'm wet all over, but I'm swimming. It's part of the experience. Part of being covered in fake blood is being a little sticky. Wow. You know what? If I ever come across a bucket of fake blood, I won't be sharing with you. Okay. I'm glad we got that cleared up. Now I'm going to make that happen. Well, uh, we actually need to get on to this movie. Okay. We have a schedule. Yeah. Movie theater times. It's a thing. (laughs) All right. We're back. Woof. We watched that movie. And then had some time to think about it. Yeah. Was it a good movie? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) It was kind of fun, though. Oh, it was very fun. Yeah, I mean, it kind of had, like, classic horror, but tried to not fall into the stereotypes, but would, like, hint at the stereotypes. Like, the white lady did keep going into the basement, but then, you know, it wasn't the jump scare they like to put the jump scares where you where you didn't expect them. They would like build up to a jump scare and then it wouldn't happen and then you'd turn around and it would happen someplace else. Like three seconds later. Yeah. Yeah. Woof. And we are gonna do some spoilers. I mean, this is a newer movie, so be warned. Spoilers abound. Well, also, like, if you're going to watch movies, you should, you know. Maybe check the rating before you go in. Because I could see people walking into this movie and having some issues with it. I would be surprised if anybody didn't know what they were signing up for. I'm just saying, like, know what you're signing up for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... Like, the the movie deals with some rough stuff. Let's go over the plot. Lord of the plot. Yeah, sorry, I'm just trying to hold it together. (laughs) Because... Before I get into the plot, I would like to just add some flavor context for how I'm feeling right now. Much earlier in the recording than I usually feel this, but it's the switch from, yeah, I had fun with that, to, oh, help me, (laughs) this is so bad, which is usually brought upon by you, but I did it to myself this time. Oh, yes. Lovely. I learned something. I know, but we should still do the plot. No, first. I'm going to. But okay, like, all right. like it's an experience. I'm going through it. Okay, so it may affect words. Compose yourself, woman. Composure. <laughs> so, okay, the plot is, well, the movie drops you in media res in an exorcism, which was the most boring part of it for me, oddly. Yeah. Uh, But basically, there's a family, there's, like, this eight-year-old kid, and then there's the sister of the kid and boyfriend of the sister. And they're there, and it's Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were real-life people. Um, Lorraine 
passed away in 2019. Ed passed away in 2006. Um, and then priest. They're trying to do an exorcism. It doesn't take. And so Arnie, boy's sister's boyfriend, is like, hey, demon, take me instead. And then the demon does take him instead. But the only person who hears this is Ed Warren, who, as a result of demonness, has a heart attack. And so it isn't until later at the hospital when he wakes up that he's able to say, hey, there's still trouble in that home. It's someone else who's possessed now. Cue Arnie looking pretty possessed and doing, like, possessed stuff. Yeah, just like, you know, freakouts. It's cool. Dropping chainsaws at people. On accident, because he saw what I thought was a dude. <laughs> yeah. Some some interesting um, wardrobe choices in this movie, for sure. Yes. But uh, I digress. And, you know, after you sort of leave the first home with the possessed child who's no longer possessed, then you move on to his older sister and Arnie, who live above a dog kennel and, you know, work there and deal with the landlord there and so on and so on. And then there's a wonderful scene that honestly I found quite thrilling where the murder happens. It, it was um, with this delightful backdrop of Blondie. Yes. Going. It the, was... the music choices in this movie, I very much enjoyed. It was fun. Yeah. but And, and there's um, a lot of light and color and, and shifting perspectives showing Arnie's totally out of his gourd in what he's perceiving, which is not reality, right? Um, and he ends up stabbing his landlord and killing him. And in the movie, it's... 20, 22 times. 22 times. In real life, four to five times. Oh, by the way... This it's a based on a true story. Quote-unquote, based on a quote-unquote true quote-unquote story. <laughs> like... Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, but there there was an actual murder trial, which is briefly depicted in this movie. So then, you know, they're like, he's possessed, and then they put a cross in front of him and have him read from the Bible a little bit, and he can do it without foaming at the mouth. And they're like, he's not possessed anymore, though. Wonder what it is. And they do some sleuthing. It's very, you know, mystery gang Oh, it is. It's it's like a it's a it's, supernatural it's like a detective story. CSI, yeah, type of like they've got a board of people involved, and they've drawn lines and they're doing research, headshots, and and they determine that there's witches about who are cursing people, which involves. So the curse is real stupid. It's a stupid curse. And honestly, they should have done better with the writing. Okay. So, the curse as they lay it out in the movie is witch slash Satanist decides to lay a curse for some end, but it involves trading a soul. And so, if the demon doesn't get the soul they want, then the cursor's soul is forfeit. However, the process of the demon getting the soul they want is a child 
a lover and a holy man have to be killed or kill. They have to kill someone and then kill themselves. No, I thought it was alternative. No, like I, if, think if, it, I think it was both because she made all of them kill someone. Or tried. Right. So one person she made kill someone and then kill herself. Then another person she made kill someone but was in, unsuccessful at, at making him kill himself. And the third, she was unsuccessful at getting him to kill someone. Each one of them was supposed to kill and then commit suicide. Okay. That was unclear. And so the 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 killings that happen or were in the works to happen in this movie are college girl and her best friend. College girl murders her best friend, runs away in horror, and falls off a cliff and dies. Okay. Then you have Arnie, who kills his landlord, and then throughout the movie, there, the, I guess the character's name is the occultist, the witch, or the satanist, I'll call her the occultist, um, tries to pressure Arnie through devil magic to kill himself. The only other person besides Spoiler alert, the occultist who dies in this movie is the occultist's father, who is a retired priest. And so there was a lot of back and forth in my mind watching this thing. It's like, okay, the lover could be Arnie's girlfriend. It could be um, Lorraine. I think the lover was supposed to be the target, so Arnie would be the lover. Or the college girl was the lover because she killed her best friend who appeared to be a best friend in a gals being pals. No, I disagree with you because what you indicated your understanding of this curse rules as being is six people needed to die. Yes. So the the other three people, the three were the ones who needed to murder and commit suicide. Okay. Sure. So my, my thought is while I was watching is, and during this conversation is this occultist witch satanist sucks at <laughs> at like reaching her goals because she tries to get a child don't work gives up on the child entirely right because then arnie intervenes and does his thing that was not planned at all she's successful in her first murder attempt with the two college girls and then her last totem thing to get the demon going she puts under ed warren's nose so she wasn't even trying to involve her father she just killed her father for laughs and giggles but it's real unclear that she's actually meeting the requirements for this whole demon thing regardless i I mean she fails yeah she fails but like through other people's means because they break the dang altar thing but there's no saying that even if you know they'd been killed and like a week had passed she wouldn't have failed anyway because she seems real slack on the rules sure okay so the rules come from the investigation of the warrens and that leads them to a retired priest who is kind of giving them some guidance but then it turns out that the priest had a secret child who he raised as a single parent and his obsession with the occult led this secret child 
to grow up and become the occultist that exactly. is attacking everyone. Exactly. And and the way this is gradually given to the audience is they show up at his house and they're like, hey, uh, you're a guy that may know what this creepy skull witch totem thing is. Uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, I don't know this one, but I know ones like it. And then they take him in. He takes them into his freaky basement where he's just got human remains lying around <laughs> willy-nilly. And a lot of books to look very official. Yeah, and it's just like, I doubt your motivations, sir. <laughs> because he's a retired priest who used to, you know, fight the occults and cults. But yet he felt the need to hold on to these things. And the Warrens straight up ask him in the movie, wouldn't it have been better to have destroyed this stuff? And he's like, well, you know, it's sort of like taking guns off the street. And it's like, yo, that doesn't work at all. (laughs) Yeah, the movie was hands down, plot wise, bonkers. Yes, the loosest of writing. Oh, yes. But some of it was very fun to observe. Like, like yes. the murder sequence where the Blondie song is playing and the dogs are barking and he's sitting and he's sweating. I viscerally related to him in that moment. <laughs> like, oh. okay. Just like, too much going on. Just let me sit. And then, you don't want to let me sit? Time for stabbings. I won't deny that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that was a genuinely very fun scene for me <laughs> and worth the money. Yeah, it it was enjoyable. I enjoyed going to the movies. It was a bad movie. It was a bad movie on its face and then it gets worse. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So I I want to hear your perspective on the worse. And then I'll fill in any blanks I, I feel needed. Okay, so the first thing that came to mind is that there is a little bit of, like, exorcism obsession in horror movies that depict exorcisms as just really wild, contortionist, bizarre affairs. So, one of the things that I always think back to when I see exorcism stories is uh, a book I read, um, gosh, probably 15 years ago now, that it was called The Right. There's actually a movie made yes, about there it. Is. But The Right was a, a um, it was a book written by a journalist who followed a priest, an American priest, who had been asked by his um, diocese to go to the Vatican and learn how to be an exorcist. And as was reported there in this book, and this book is not a fiction, this is mm-hmm. a real book, mm-hmm. that there, um, that the diocese are each supposed to have someone trained in exorcism in every diocese. Mm-hmm. And so this one priest, it was 
just kind of he drew that stick and went off to the Vatican to learn how to do exorcisms. So one of the things that kind of bothers me is that the fantasy horror realm of exorcisms really sensationalizes what is still a real practice in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. It is taken seriously. And even the like the reported cases though that that this journalist documented, it was like a hundred times less intense mm-hmm. than anything that you would see in a well, movie. And they're trying to rule out other factors and causes before they get to that point, is my understanding. They're supposed to but there is a lot of criticism that they don't. Mm. So it is a current and continuing practice in the Catholic Church. To the degree that it's practiced, mm-hmm. I think, depends on the area that they serve and the culture's attitude towards mm-hmm. mental illness. But there still are some fairly prevalent bad takes on what mental illness can look like that can lead that can lead to, I'm being possessed right now <laughs> that can lead to people getting spiritual treatment uh in lieu of psychiatric treatment when really the official stance is that it's intended to be in addition to psychiatric treatment, when psychiatric treatment fails for reasons that can't be explained by science. So before moving on to your next point, I'd like to bring up something I found in my research. Okay. So in 2013, in response to the first Conjuring movie, by the way, for context, this is the third Conjuring movie we just saw, but one of many in a Conjuring franchise universe thing yeah okay that that was something i didn't entirely understand like okay how many of these well, movies are, i'll, I'll yeah. get into that in this later on but someone went and got three exorcists perspectives on the conjuring movie including the man who the right is based on father gray friar gary thomas it was, a, it was an interesting little article on Catholic News and Inspiration, <laughs> published in 2013. And, you know, one of the... one of the Oh, Gary. I was reading Gary is Gray. Yeah, so this is the guy. This is the guy, yeah. yeah. And so what he had to say was that, you know, first of all, he hadn't at that point seen the right, <laughs> but was planning to watch it. And he did some consulting work for the Warrens, actually. So this whole, everything is so connected with this stuff. It's ridiculous. He did consulting work for the Warrens? Like, they called him and he talked to them. Okay. In reference to a possession. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it says that he worked with a woman who was gifted in spiritual terms. And also that before he became an exorcist, he was skeptical of that kind of thing. And then a little less after the fact. So what did they think of this movie? I don't know that he watched the movie. Well, so first of all, 
This was 2013. Oh, so this was for a different Conjuring. The first one. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, and it doesn't sound like he went to the movies all that much. (laughs) Okay. He hadn't even seen the movie based on himself. So, it was more of just like, what are your thoughts on there being a movie? Well, I, having read the book The Right and watched the movie The Right, I think they took an awful lot of liberties with that book. Oh, they take an awful lot of liberties with this whole story. Oh, yes, they do. Yeah, so there's the l- multiple lawsuits. Yes. Over story rights and, and life rights and such and such. And I think there were lawsuits against um, people who had written books about this story as well. Almost every party involved seems to have come under fire in some way. Um, for the first movie, which I haven't seen, but I've now read about uh, to some extent, the the first movie is about, real quickly, a haunted house that is haunted by Salem-era witches who did witch things, actually. And it's haunted, thank you very much. Oh, sure. Real house, real people lived there after the first movie came out. Guess who got a lot of break-ins? And property damage and occult stuff left in their home. Oh, uh huh. Oh, responsible filmmaking. Practice it. Yeah. And then uh, that that kind of reminds me of um, there was like something of like the center of America, like. If there was no specific location, like, with an IP address, it would give the location as, like, the center of the America. So there's this one, like, farmhouse in Kansas that gets all this bananas hate mail from random people who think they're the trolls that have been pestering them. Mm. Because they live at the geographic center of the United States. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, and then uh, one of... I've read several articles in quick succession. succession. Um, one of the articles points out that there have been documented, like, killings of children in certain parts of Africa because missionaries will show up and say, witches in a cult Satanism are real and it's among you. And then kids end up dead. Okay, so that actually plays into one of my other problems with this. And that is the... Um, satanic panic? Satanic panic. Mm-hmm. And um, time appropriate, it, it started in the 80s over here. Mm-hmm. And went through the 90s. But the satanic panic did so much damage. I mean, when we talk about... we we You just mentioned the Salem Witch Trials. Mm-hmm. The satanic panic was that... In the 80s and 90s. Except and there's a, a little less death and more imprisonment. Well, but, oh, way, way more imprisonment, though, right? Because a uh, whole lot of people's lives ruined. And it's also where they started realizing that they were giving children false memories. Mm-hmm, with the, with the, uh, the hypnotism, psychotherapy stuff. Yeah, and really bad police work that was... Satanic ritual abuse. SRA. Yes. And, and including, um, you know, most of them were not convicted because a lot of courts were like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. But there was one high profile case. 
I think it was Memphis. West Memphis 3, I believe. Are you thinking about the daycare? No. There were a lot of daycares. That's, yeah. Okay. There were a lot of daycares. This one was the murder of three young boys. Like eight-year-old boys. Mm. And the night of the murders, a uh, employee at a local restaurant called the police because a man was in the bathroom, in the women's bathroom, sort of disoriented and covered in blood. Mm. Uh, this man is not mentioned by name because they never really looked for him. But they did pick up three teenagers. Oh, that Memphis three. Who were into like goth. Oh, man. Yeah, the satanic panic was, it had its fingers in anything. If you wore too much black and liked metal, you were satanic. Right. Like, like right. It, it was really similar to how they responded to Columbine. Mm. Um like, oh, it's the trench coats, you like, know. Like if and it was the same kids they went after. As if as if murder is an aesthetic. Right. Right. Murder core. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I may or may not be into. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so yeah, and and satanic panic while the high-profile cases happened in the 80s and 90s, it's dangerous to assume that it went away mm -hmm. because it did not. It very much seems to be a driving undercurrent of current conspiracy theories uh, yes. purported by QAnon. Yes, 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 yes. And that there's, like, these pedophile rings. Yes. And it, it really also seems like... They seem to use the satanic uh, ritual part of it and pedophiles start to blend together into like also the global cabal and some anti-Semitism. I mean, mm -hmm. it is mm -hmm. just. Yes. It's still it's a, there. It's a witch hunt. Yes. <laughs> it is a witch hunt. And this movie. Unironically, a witch hunt. <laughs> was just like, let me tell you a true story about satanic ritual abuse. And. The story was based on a true story, but I didn't see anything in the original story about a satanic priestess oh, no! cursing everyone. No! Like, they just added the satanic yes! panic to an already, like, oh, man, yeah, okay, and, story. And, and the movie's real fuzzy on time frame, but my understanding was that the events in the movie happened over the course of a couple of days. It seemed like, yeah. Yeah, and so the the real life... Um, Arnie case. He was convicted of manslaughter, which they did reflect in the movie. But the movie sort of glosses over the real life part where the judge just didn't allow any kind of demonic possession defense. Yes. <laughs> and also, the killing happened six months down the road from the young boy's exorcism. Well, to me, it seemed like it was a few days after... No, not it wasn't a few days. No. Because because the when, sister had moved out of the house by the time. Uh-huh. And right. and when Ed wakes up in hos in the hospital, presumably the next day, it's like 6 months later. But they they don't give you that 6 months in the movie. Right, right. Well, but okay. So that was one of the concepts with the satanic panic 
when uh, Arnie tries to bring in demonic possession as a uh, defense to murder. Mm -hmm. Not guilty by reason of demonic possession. Which is a hilarious thing to say in court, let me tell you. Usually you just stick to not guilty. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I guess if you really want to press that not guilty by reason of insanity, that's a good place to start. And then the prosecutor comes, well, that's not guilty by reason of attorney's insanity, okay? (laughs) Like, just because that's the insanity doesn't mean the attorney has to- Oh, come on, Miss Public Defender. It is the the defendant that makes the plea. You can do it on your client. Well, I think it just depends on the courtroom. Yeah. But also in this movie, the attorney said it. And it's just like, yo, lady. <laughs> I'm like, I, th- I think the problem is that she said it with a straight face. And she looked so fearful because that, like, the Warrens showed her proof, not depicted on screen, by the way. But they're like, come meet Annabelle, our haunted doll in our, like, cursed item museum, which was a real thing they had. Yes. Yikes. Yes. Okay. But when. They're trying to bring not guilty by reason of demonic possession into the courtroom. There's this whole like conversation among the main characters uh, with the attorney and the attorney's like, they're not going to buy that. You can't do that. And they were like, whenever you swear on the Bible to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, you're ex- the whole court is accepting the existence of God and if they're going to do that, they need to accept the existence of demons as well. And it's like, well, they do when it's to the defendant's detriment. And so that's what happened with the satanic panic cases. Oh, I wasn't even going to that level. I was just like, the, so help you God is almost a term of art because you can have atheists and, and people testify. It's more about are you willing and understanding of the fact there's a difference between lying and telling the truth, and you're going to tell the truth. Yeah, in and, modern and, courts, and you're making a formal declaration of it. So if you don't tell the truth, you are in contempt. Exactly. Right. And it's not like so. Let's break down your spiritual beliefs right here. It's more of a term of art today. Right. Right. But still, no. I like your point. Yeah. Like yeah. Let's go ahead and bring in the supernatural. You know that's not going to be to the defense's credit. You know, the supernatural was completely accepted when you can accuse them of being basically witches. Well, and the other thing that this movie is just like so dumb is at one point, Arnie, before trial, is like full on levitating (laughs) in the air in his criminal psych ward with at least six witnesses. (laughs) Yeah. And his girlfriend is just, like, sitting at his bedside in prison. Like, what? What? But, like, like, in in the suspended disbelief of this movie, there are multiple people who you think would be willing to say, oh, like, yeah, I straight up saw impossible stuff. He's possessed. Oh, yeah. But they're making stuff up. So, of course, that doesn't happen. (laughs) Like, uh, oh, this movie. Oh, I know. I know. So here's what I was actually surprised that you were into seeing this movie. I did not think that you were going to do well with demon crap. 
I like horror now. Okay. I've made that choice. Yes. I'm embracing it. Okay. Also, the demon, like, it was just, like, bad writing. It's like, there's nothing to be... Anyway. But that brings me to my next point. Okay. I'm calling it Christian propaganda. Mm, Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's something I feel comfortable saying because... First, I am a religious person. And second, the producers, directors of several films in this franchise have been on record saying, oh yeah, we love that this like brings people closer to God because it's about love and everything. Like God is stronger than Satan because God made Satan. And so, of course, our protagonists are going to be fine at the end of the day. There's intention in the messaging, Amy, which is why I feel comfortable calling it propaganda. <laughs> yeah. Because they want people who um, may not be Christian or, or who are Christian but are maybe wavering in their faith to go to the theater, watch these movies, and think, what would I do in that situation? I'd like to have a priest around. Yeah, and and I mean, it is one of the more flashy, flamboyant aspects of the Catholic faith. And here's my take on demonic possession and exorcisms in the Catholic faith. I do not understand why it's really just a Catholic thing. Like, all these other religions apparently believe that this can happen. Why aren't they exercising people? I mean, you can't have it both ways. Look, you either believe that the demons possess people and, you know, are going to work to combat it, or you say you believe the demons possess people but aren't going to do anything about it. Doesn't make sense to me. So, I'm not sure if this has been said into the mic before, but you're a converted Catholic. Yes. For context. Yes. And real into Catholic lore. I mean... Yeah. Ask me about some Pope shenanigans. I'm down for Oh, the Pope shenanigans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Back back catalog. Pope back catalog. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I've mentioned several times on this podcast, but I'm Mormon or... or, um, Yeah, yeah. I'm holding your feet to the fire on your faith right now. Yeah. Why aren't you people exercising people? I don't know that we're not. Oh, Right? But you don't know that you are. I mean, like, my belief in things is not necessarily everyone's belief in things. Like, I'm like, I don't touch Ouija boards. <laughs> you know, like, if I see some human flesh lying around, I'm going to be like, that's for sure got bad vibes. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, like, ghost spirits. Like, but my belief is probably not the same as my neighbors, right? Which that, is fine. That being no, said, we're, I mean, we're talking about doctrine. Yeah, like public doctrine. I mean, we do, we do blessings. We do laying on of hands. I think that would extend to like demon be gone. Okay. I just don't think it's as, as ritualized. Right. I I mean, it, like, I think you would like the book, the right, because it does explain like 
the kind of clinical aspect mm-hmm. of identifying demonic possession mm-hmm. and kind of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's it's not an exciting action book. It's just an interesting look yeah. inside the Vatican. It's it's a really interesting read. Yeah, uh, it's nothing like the movie. Well, and I and I just don't think we have anything as formalized, uh, right, as that. Yeah, it's like a spirit hospital thing. Yeah. yeah. Like it's I mean we we have a chain of command like if if your problem's big enough you can run it all the way up to the top. But I just don't think this is as much as I, a I thing. just feel like most religions will like have you considered you're just a bastard? Well, the, like the, 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 the like, other part of that is at least with the conjuring series. I I haven't seen this is probably my first exorcism horror movie, quite honestly. So I'm speaking from osmosis. Uh-huh. But sensationalizing demonic possession and exorcisms and things. One one of the the articles I read and the that article with the the three exorcists, the opinions tended to lead, "Hey, some people are particularly susceptible to these kinds of ideas and may believe they're possessed and not actually be possessed. Well, and that was one of the things that um, when I was reading The Rite, some of the people who came to get exorcisms came for weekly exorcisms. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's And I do think they were using it as a replacement for psychotherapy. Yeah. And it may be that culturally, that was just a way they felt helped. Yeah. Like, and, like and, and to me, there is validity in those people choosing to get extra blessing mm-hmm. um, and to talk about the things that are going wrong in their life in, in spiritual terms. Mm-hmm. For some people, that's how they form their internal dialogue. So I, I don't see anything wrong with them reaching out for help in the way they feel comfortable doing it yeah now i don't think that people who perform exorcisms or um kind of support the performance of exorcisms i don't think it would be right for them to direct someone not to get psych psychiatric Mm -hmm. help but if someone was not going to get psychiatric help but is choosing to get spiritual help Hey, at least that's something for them. Yeah. Well, my point was going to be, I would think that in a a culture or religion that this is sort of baked into, you're just going to see more instances, right? Because it is something that people are familiar with as a concept. Are you saying that Catholics suffer from demonic placebo effect, Amanda? Catholics and Catholic affiliated. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there as a hypothesis. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, really, um, to me, exorcisms are something that should be... Uh, I liked the treatment of, of the book, The Right. When I see these movies and the sensationalization of it, you know, I'd rather see more realistic depictions and and more open and honest discussion of when why and how mm-hmm. exorcisms are actually happening mm-hmm. uh because there is 
a lot of instances where harm could happen. Yes. Just if they happen to have uh, faith leaders who are not as well versed in psychiatry and psychology as, as you know, m- medical fields. E- even short of psychological harm, physical harm. And the way exorcisms are depicted in horror movies, they're holding people down and, and all kinds of stuff. And see, that's why you should read the book. It's way more tame than that. I'm talking about, I know, I know I'm talking about like the harm, you know, people are trying to do homemade exorcisms. You Mm. know it. Yeah, maybe I, you know, I haven't do it yourself of it. Do it yourself. DIY exorcisms. Right. Oh my word. But like, as depicted, regardless of psychological effect, the physical <laughs> yeah. toll of doing that. Well, especially if it is psychosomatic and the patient is trying to convince somebody that they're possessed. Yeah, but they might try to contort their bodies. But and, but, and holding someone down can lead to death. You know? Yeah. Like when taken too far. So... Just the whole movie. Yeah. The Ugh. whole the whole use of exorcism as a sensationalized propaganda yeah. movement for Christianity. More specifically Catholicism, but I think it's not necessarily specific. Yeah, but the the the, the imagery it it's damaging. It's damaging with the satanic panic mm-hmm. aspects of it. And the um, psychological abuse that's possible when exorcisms turn to when psychiatry should be. I think it also lends credence to a lot of religious snake oil salesmen, right? Because absolutely, this this series, this franchise of like what eight plus films that will, because you know they're gonna make more. It's a huge money maker. I really. Like all I could think of is I really want to see an exorcism based movie come out of Mormon cinema. <laughs> I, like, show us what you got. Like I said, I don't think it's like a formalized practice. Like I'm sure it's happening, but it's like it's the kind of thing where you'd hear about it from one person who did it way back when and it wasn't even technically an exorcism. Yeah. You know, like, it's just like, I met someone and it was like, oh, they got the devil in them. <laughs> like, kind of <laughs> stories, you know? <laughs> like, like, I, like, not at all formalized. <laughs> oh, they got the devil in them. Yeah. Okay. Like, like, um. That would still make for a funny movie. Yeah. But like those, those kinds of stories, the one that comes to my mind is I knew someone who shared something from when they served a mission for the church. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of door-to-door and such. And they happened into a home where there was, like, really bad child abuse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is a bad place. Yikes. Uh, yeah, that's not the same thing as being possessed. No. They f- they felt like there was a presence. Mm-hmm. Right? Um. Like, that's the closest thing that comes to my mind. Yeah, that wouldn't be an interesting movie. So what, no. is, what is your Uber rating? I'm not even done. Oh, my God. You're <laughs> kidding me. No. Because I was getting to the charlatan snake oil 
Okay. The Hit me with big it. tent movie. Hit me not with movie, it. Not movie. TV evangelist thing, right? Because th- these the series alleges to be based on, on true stories. Right. Alleges to be based. Well, and these are the, the Warrens are the same people who investigated the Amityville. Amityville, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, they're kind of famous paranormal exactly it's whatever they wanted demonologists demonologists yes yeah. yeah uh married to each other for you know long time had at least one kid so around the time the first conjuring movie comes out a woman comes forward saying hey i lived with them for like 40 years uh i met ed when i was 15 and he was 30 and moved in within a couple of years sexual relationship statutory rape also ed wasn't so nice to his wife there were regular times where i thought they were going to kill each other oh well of course and so throughout this movie series they're depicted as this like very <laughs> stereotypical loving romantic yes couple. Yes. And just the yikes. Ew. But also, you know, they went around and based on what I was reading, they didn't charge for their services, but they wrote books on it and had speaking deals. Yeah. And consulted on these movies. Yeah. Oh, no. It was big business. And they had a museum. (laughs) Yes. It's like, come see our haunted stuff. Yes. Which again is like like the the old priest man in this movie. I doubt your motivations. <laughs> you know, so it's just nasty and misleading to the to the very foundation. Based on a true story, it's like as long as some of the names are the same, you can say it's based on a true story. Yeah. You know, and and one of the things that happened as a result of these book deals and these movies is the the 8-year-old boy in this movie we just watched had an older brother who sued because he says none of it happened. And they just mistreated his younger brother's schizophrenia. And Arnie and his wife and the boy's parents all maintain, oh, no, it was totally, you know, Satan, the devil. But also, once you say that story in court, are you really going to change it? <laughs> well, they weren't allowed to use that in court. I know. I know. But public perception. Yeah. Like, you gotta live somewhere. Oh, oh yeah. Hands down, I, I, com- I, I did not expect... To see so many glaring social issues in this movie, uh, it was a train wreck. Actually, oh my goodness! Yeah, like my fun, a fun train wreck. My eyes were pleased, but the rest of me is actually horrified. <laughs> oh yeah, no, and it wasn't the horror in the movie. It was no. just like, well, and that's can the, you stop doing crap like this? That's the other parallel I draw, right? Is because you co- you compare this kind of this horror movie again, which I have. One example of experience with... <laughs> See, I've seen a lot of exorcism movies. Right. This is my first. But the the core c- 
conceit is, oh yeah, it's real, right? Right. It's not mental illness. It's just you're going through it with the devil. And one of the articles I read drew a, a, a very clear comparison or in contrast to the Haunting of Hill House, which is a wonderful series on Netflix. Yes. Based on a fictional horror novel. Yes. Um, and it's a comparison I made my, myself watching the movie um, because some of the sets in this movie were disgusting. Immediately made me think of Haunting of Hill House, where a key factor is black mold. Yeah. And these environmental things that can just mess with your head. Yes. And in this movie, it's entirely like, oh, no, no, no. It's the devil. Which is, like, I think there would be ways to write an exorcism movie without just being the worst about it. (laughs) But this was not it. Yeah. Go read the book. The right. I think you would like it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll add it to the list. (laughs) You just add it to the list. Yeah. Um, but my, my Uber rating is, oh, <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What's yours? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. It is, but I had fun. I had fun too. Again. You can enjoy bad things. Just I know. And that's part of it. I like demon stories. Yeah, you like all kinds of stories. Right. I myself... But they're bad for us. They can be bad for us. Well, as a whole, I think the genre is bad for us. Like, but as individuals or as a society? It, it, it could be both. It could actually. be both. Yeah, I mean, but depending like, think, on what your state is. Do you think it's bad for you right now in this moment? Oh, no. I enjoy the heck out of it. Okay, so that's my defining line. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's fun to watch murder on screen. I'm not going to do it, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's remind everyone, once again, we are professionals. Don't watch these at home or in the theaters. <laughs> unless you feel like it. And then have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Oh!